0: This is Growth Decoded to Go, a podcast from a show that helps you grow your business by figuring out the customer experience, one piece at a time. We do this to share our findings with you, wherever you are. Because this podcast is only the audio portion of the show, there might be some references to visuals, but don't fret, because we've included links to the video version of the show in the podcast description. All right, let's get into it. Greetings and salutations to you fine people of the internet, and welcome back to Growth Decoded, the only show about the customer experience that you're watching right now. I'm your host, Ernie Santarelli, and this is Plantasia, the Growth Decoded plant, which has exceeded all possible expectations in terms of the growth that we've witnessed, and that, my friends, is the key to a wonderfully positive customer experience that your customers will tell their friends about. I'm talking about exceeding expectations. Welcome to Episode 9, the penultimate show of the season in which we shall investigate email analytics. And we have a jam-packed show for you today. And now, some news in a segment that we like to call The News. Today's leading story. EY has named our very own Jason Vandenboom, founder and CEO of Active Campaign, as the entrepreneur of the year in the Midwest region. Now, EY Entrepreneur of the Year is an award that recognizes highly ambitious and innovative leaders. It distinguishes great entrepreneurs who explore new ways to further their industry and make the business of others much more effective. Now, Jason founded ActiveCampaign back in 2003 after noticing a lack of meaningful connections between growing businesses and their customers, which translated to a loss in business growth and revenue opportunities for those companies. And now... 18 short years later, ActiveCampaign empowers over 150,000 businesses across the globe to create incredible customer experiences for their customers. So, hats off to you, Jason. Congratulations. It is so very well-deserved. In other news, Shopify saw 57% revenue growth year-over-year as it rolled out some new pay and shipping features. Now, Shopify's subscription and merchant revenues were both up over 50% year-over-year, no doubt due to the company's focus on small, independent merchants and other young companies. Now, Shopify supports these companies and their growth by helping them develop more flexible storefronts so that they can offer their customers a unique experience online. Hint, hint, customer experience. Now, Shopify regularly updates their solution to make it easier for its partners to customize their shopping experience through Hydrogen, which is a new framework for building custom storefronts, and Oxygen, a future hosting platform, the company hopes to enable its merchant partners to develop custom storefronts that are as fluid and cohesive as water. Shopify is also building the Shopify fulfillment network to improve shipping speed and accuracy. So combine this with the announcement of Facebook pay being rolled out, you're going to want to keep your eyes on this one. And finally, Zapier says that the key to reducing workloads and saving time is marketing automation. On average, marketers save 25 hours a week with automation. IT saves about 20 hours a week using automation. Accounting and sales reps save approximately four hours a week. And customer service reps save about 16 hours a week. What are the most common automated tasks? Communicating with colleagues, prospects, and customers. And managing databases like CRM, spreadsheets, or prospect lists. Oh, and email. Automating email and the reporting that goes along with it is a huge part of the time saved, communicating with customers and prospects, learning about your audience, and then understanding which messages are resonating with them. And that, dear friends, brings us to today's topic of investigation, email analytics. Now, we're not going to go through all the different metrics that you have access to when it comes to email. We're not going to lay out 10 different rates and ratios and explain what they mean and how you calculate them and yada, yada, yada. You don't want to hear that. There are thousands of blog articles and how-to videos out there to help you with that. What we're here to explore is how to think about email analytics so that when you look at the numbers, you understand the story behind them and you know what's working and, and what's not. Now, we want to know, how can email analytics help you improve your customer experience? Well, it can do this in a few ways. By paying attention to the numbers behind your email sends, whether it's just a weekly newsletter or you've got a massive email marketing program with hundreds of automations, you can start to zero in on what your audience wants. You can segment your audience and know who your most engaged contacts are and give them more of what they want. You can also know who your least engaged contacts are and send to them less frequently or remove them from your list entirely because sometimes, for some contacts, The best customer experience is just ending the ride and removing the possibility of them marking you as spam or bringing down your sending reputation with an inbox full of unread messages. Now, paying attention to your email analytics can also help you make more informed decisions that improve your list hygiene and your email deliverability. I know. I know. Some of you might think that email analytics is just code for open rates and click-through rates. And you know what? You're partially right. Right, those are two of the most common and the most accessible email metrics out there and they tell you a lot, but they don't tell you everything. And worse, if you're looking at those numbers without the right perspective or the right context, they might not be telling you much of anything at all. Okay, first of all, let's establish what we mean here. Your open rate is the percentage of email recipients who opened your email. How do you calculate it? Well, how many people opened your email divided by the total number of emails that you sent? Why is this important? Well. Your email doesn't do any good if it doesn't get opened and read. So if your open rates are low, then the information, the call to action, the uh, fill in the blank on whatever you're trying to communicate to your audience, it's just not going to happen. Your open rate could be low for a variety of reasons, rather, not the least of which is the subject line. And if you want to know how to write a better email subject line, you're going to love our next episode. But the important thing here is that your open rate sets the bar for the maximum fathomable result for your email campaign nobody opens your email, you're not going to get results. It's the front line. It's the first task. Now, the click-through rate, or CTR as it's commonly called, is the percentage of email recipients who clicked on one or more links contained in a given email. How do you calculate it? Well, it's the total number of clicks, or unique clicks, divided by the number of delivered emails times 100, usually. Now why is this important? Unless you're sending a text-only email with the goal of just getting your recipients to read it and then be done with it, then you're going to care about CTR because chances are you're sending an email with a purpose, whether it's to drive traffic to a product page or an event page or a blog article. Maybe you're having a sale or you want them to go to your calendar to book an appointment, make a donation, download a piece of gated content, you name it, you're linking out to a page. Your CTR is the number of people who cross that second barrier, which is clicking the link after opening the email. Again, open rate and CTR, they're important analytics, and they can tell you a lot, but why stop there? How can you go beyond these analytics? I think it's time to introduce our guests for today's episode and have them help us out. Our first guest is Elan Zussman, and he's the founder of Ziggy Media, a digital marketing agency out of Toronto, Canada. So let's turn it over to Elan. Elon, thank you so much for your time today. Welcome to Growth Decoded. Hey Ernie, how's it going? It is going well, it is going well. Uh, Before we jump into today's conversation topic of email analytics, uh, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself, about Ziggy Media, and uh, kind of your expertise in this space?
1: For sure. I am the founder of a company out here in Toronto, Canada called Ziggy Media. Uh, we provide done-for-you services that help take the burden of technology and marketing off of uh, business owners' plates. As we know, like they, a lot of the times they get stuck on that. Uh, we help them build profitable, scalable solutions, focusing on everything from marketing automation, email marketing, uh, funnel building, course development, you name it. So yeah. And I've been working with active campaigns since probably 2008. So definitely well-versed. Love the software. I've seen the, you know, the peaks and the valleys and everything in between as you guys have, uh, you know, skyrocketed and all that growth over the last, um, you know, several years. So
0: really happy to be here. Yeah, that's wow. That's like an eternity in active campaign time. So um, great, great to have you here. Great to have that knowledge and that that time spectrum to uh, to draw from. Um, so jumping in here to to email analytics, you know, a lot of the things that get talked about around these are open rates, click through rates. Those are you know the most common. They're the easiest. Well, maybe not the easiest, but the ones that are most commonly talked about. Maybe the most accessible from software uh, tools like active Campaign. But what we're curious about is What are some metrics, you know, beyond those two that you might look to, to, to get more insights and more information out of your, your email analytics? And I mean, this is
1: something that we talk with our clients about all the time. Uh, number one, we, we teach them and show them how to leverage ActiveCampaign as a platform. It is typically the platform of choice that we do recommend when it comes to email marketing. Obviously, there are other solutions out there. Some of the things that I really love within the ActiveCampaign platform specifically is the uh, the trends, the trend reports. Mm-hmm. Really kind of knowing when your audience is most engaged because, you know, if you're sending emails, to at 8pm, but your audience is more used to opening up your emails at, you know, 10am, then, you know, there's a big disconnect there. Uh, for us specifically, we deal with a lot of uh, female entrepreneurs, right? And the female entrepreneurs that target, you know, tired and stressful moms in the health and wellness space. And let's face it, women and, and moms who are stressed out are typically not that, you know, tuned in at, you know, nine to five where you know, maybe an APM is a bit more of a better time to send. So I think it's very important to maybe sometimes take a step back. Obviously open rates, click-through rates, super important, but also looking at like the bigger picture of what you're trying to accomplish and also defining who that ideal client is and give you a real um, advantage when it comes to kind of structuring your marketing and specifically email marketing campaigns. Obviously, like landing page and bounce rate, stuff like that, because obviously we do a lot of stuff where we're driving traffic to, Mm. you know, a landing page, trying to get that opt-in. Maybe it's a sales page to get someone to actually purchase, or maybe a a booking page to get to a one on one consultation. So, kind of understanding what's happening on those pages as well. So, you know, Active Campaign, a great feature that I feel is very underutilized, especially to the the beginner novice level, is site tracking. Mm.
2: You
3: know,
1: seeing what people are doing within your website, seeing what they're doing on your landing pages um, can give us as marketers all that information to help kind of fine tune and tighten it and
0: make those uh, campaigns as tight as possible. Elan touched on something that we've talked about a lot on this show. Who is your audience? When are they the most active? When do they open your emails? On what day? At what time? Elan mentioned that finding this type of information can be possible in the active campaign contact trends reports. And we're going to show you those a little later on. But the timing of your emails is extremely important. Now, you might flip on the old Google machine and ask it a question like, when is the best time to send an email? And you'll probably get a result that says something like, on Tuesdays, between 9 and 11 AM. But that's not your audience. That's just aggregated data. Your audience might prefer a Tuesday morning email, but they might not. They might be a Thursday evening group. Or maybe you've got an international audience, and the optimal time to send is in the middle of the night. Take a step back. Zoom out. What's the goal of your email? Is it signups or purchases? How many of those did your email drive? Now, our second guest also touched on this. She's Dr. Ada Barlatt, founder and data scientist at Operations Ally. So let's meet Dr. Ada. Hey. Dr. Ada, welcome to Growth Decoded.
4: Oh my gosh, so great to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Ernie.
0: Yes, absolutely. So uh, today's episode's focus is email analytics. Uh, but before we jump into all of that, uh, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about Operations Ally?
4: Yeah, for sure. So Operations Ally is here to help businesses maximize the, I like to call it the tre- treasure trove of data in their email marketing accounts. Um, and so in particular, I work with clients to help them understand the, the people and their actions um, that are sometimes embedded or can be hidden within their data um, and help them understand you know how the messages that they're sending, what kinds of reaction they're, they're, gar- they're getting from it and how they can use um, insights from their subscribers' behavior to understand how their current email marketing program is functioning and create actionable strategies to improve performance.
0: Okay. Based on everything that you just said, you are like the perfect person to be talking yeah. to for this topic. So I'm very excited to get into this. I was um, excited
4: for the invite. I was like, I'm in.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. Awesome. Okay. So to kick things off, um, yeah. You know, open rates, click-through rates, those are two of the most common, the most accessible, the most talked about yes. email analytics that are out there. Yes. Now, they're pretty easy to understand. To, you kind of can look at them and know what they are, have a story, Have a have something in your brain. What we're curious about is what are some of the metrics beyond those two that you can look at and that can tell you more, that can give you more insight into what's going
4: on? That is a great question that when I, yeah, I I love this question because there is so much more. Um, As I mentioned in in when I was introducing myself, I'm really interested in program performance and I come to the world of email marketing from an engineering background and and studying systems like manufacturing systems and hospital systems. So I very much take a full systems-oriented um, view at the work that I do and at email marketing programs. And I think the the strengths in open rates and clicky rates are that they give some really good insights, um, but also they're very focused on the campaign, on a particular campaign. Um, and so I the ones I like to go to when I'm helping people maybe look beyond those two metrics, um, help people get some insights on, on how their campaigns or their automations are working for their ultimate goal. Because often, um, An open and definitely a click may not be the final outcome that we're looking for and when when we send out um, different email messages to our subscribers so things like revenue per email sent so looking if you are sending. um, messages that have a call to action that's for a purchase so looking at the revenue. in total that you've gotten over a single send campaign or a multi-send campaign, over all the number of emails that you send can help you understand the effectiveness of that entire uh, campaign. Um, perhaps your, your ultimate outcome doesn't have to do necessarily with revenue, but perhaps you're looking to have people reply to messages or register for a webinar. Now you can look at the conversion rates from either um, the conversion rate from people that click um, in the messages in your emails or the conversion rate from the, the number of messages that you've sent. Uh, and then another one, the third one I'll share with you today is uh, the referred to as the click reach rate. So unlike a click-through rate, which looks at a performance perhaps for a particular email message, the click reach rate helps you understand how across a set of messages, let's say you send um, a welcome campaign or you're sending some sort of multi-send promotional um, uh, effort, uh, across all of those emails, how many people did you reach, how many people clicked on your messages. So they can help you understand the, the performance of the entire sequence.
0: Mm, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so z- zooming out and, and uh-huh. taking a look at more than just the campaign. I really like that because I feel like uh-huh. we do kind of get lost in the minutia of the, the particular send. So do open rates and click-through rates tell us the whole story? No, not really. They're great markers and benchmarks, and you certainly need them, but getting a little more granular and strategic in how you read your email analytics can tell you a lot more about your audience. Now, this makes it easier for you to segment your contact list, to tag them by interest or by engagement level. It helps you figure out when is the best time to send to them. It helps you figure out the revenue that you can generate with an email or with a series of emails. All right, finally, let's hear from our third guest. He's Mike Donnelly, the CEO of The Seventh Sense. Mike, thank you very much for your time today and uh, welcome to Growth Decoded.
2: Awesome. Well, definitely appreciate you uh, reaching out, Ernie, and also having me on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So today's topic is email analytics. And before we get into all that, um, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and about The 7 Cents?
2: Yeah, so uh, as you mentioned, uh, one of the co-founders of 7Cents, essentially what we are is an email delivery optimization system. And I know that's kind of a, uh, a mouthful, uh, but it, it kind of focuses on a couple of areas. One, making sure that your emails make it to the inbox. We all know that email delivery is getting harder and harder these days. Um, in addition to that, send time optimization. So we just pull together a lot of different artificial intelligence technologies to uh, you know really deliver a full suite of techniques and um, features to help you with your email, uh, to help with email engagement.
0: Awesome. Um, Okay, so based on that, I mean, I feel like you're exactly the kind of person that we need to be talking to about email analytics. Um, So I'm just gonna jump right into it. Um, Open rates and click-through rates are like the, the two most pointed to, most accessible, most common email analytics that are out there, right? Those are usually the two that people point to when we're talking about email analytics. Um, but what I want to get into is what are some metrics that go beyond open and click through rates, right? Like they tell you part of the story, but they don't tell you the whole story. So what are some measures that, uh, that can tell you a little more?
2: Yeah. So it's a, it's an interesting problem. And I think part of, part of the issue, why people so are so focused on open and click rates is because as you mentioned, they, they, they are more easily accessible, uh, and it's a metric that marketers have been trained to just maniacally focus on, and it and it, it can also get you in a lot of trouble by simply looking at those types of things. There are a lot of things that you can do by looking at your open data, your click data, uh, et cetera. But you're right; they don't tell the full story. One of the things that we really like to focus on is what we call your active audience, um, and we do that through a couple of ways. One is You know, a lot of marketers have a misnomer that, and executives alike, if you have an average 20% open rate, which is kind of industry average these days, I always ask, well, why is 80% of your audience not engaging? Like, that's the big problem. Turn it on its head. Uh, But what the the thought process is, if I have a 20% open rate, that means if I send five emails, my entire audience opened at least one email. Um and and that's kind of the way people think. Whereas what it really means is you have a certain subsection of your audience that engages with you. And then you have a probably a larger majority that are not engaging with you. And so what the active audience looks like is it is, is truly a measure of you can do it on a per month, per quarter, per year basis of all of the people that I sent at least one email to, and we'll just, let's just focus on a month. If I sent you, my entire audience, one email or I sent them five emails, what the active audience tells you is 20%, 30%, 40%, 50% of your audience engaged in at least one email in the given month Mm. um, or given quarter or given year. And that can also be used in all kinds of different facets of email marketing, whether it's, hey, maybe we should be doing better segmentation. Um, You know, if you fall below, what we tend to find is 15 to 30% of your audience being engaged or active in some way, shape, or form, you probably need to do a better job of segmentation. If you fall below 15% of your overall audience being active in a given month or quarter, you more than likely, nine times out of 10, we find that you have inboxing challenges, delivery problems, Um, you really, really need to up your game there now on the opposite end of the spectrum if 80 to 90 percent of your audience is active or even above 70 percent you're probably not being aggressive enough with your email channel so from our perspective it's a phenomenal barometer to look at just what is the overall health of my email channel um and then empower you to take you know actions beyond that or action take actions that can make your email channel even more successful.
0: Um, And uh, just a quick note here that the interview segments that you're going to see today in today's episode, they're all part of a larger conversations that I had with all three of our guests. So if you'd like to see these interviews in their entirety, you can head on over to the growth decoded homepage and sign up to be a member of the grow team. You'll get exclusive content. You'll get updates about branded goodies like these decals here, and you'll have a chance to win prizes. Maybe even contribute to the future of the show by telling us what topics you'd like to see us cover and who you'd like to see on the show. Also, you can join us live on Instagram shortly after this episode concludes on YouTube, Facebook, or LinkedIn, wherever you're watching it. Okay. Going beyond opening click-through rates and getting more specific and strategic can help you start to learn which groups of your contacts are further down the buying cycle. Or maybe you could start to figure out which contacts are interested in particular products or services. But how do you do that? If we're thinking about email analytics as a way to sort of segment your audience, how might you use the different metrics, maybe the ones that you've mentioned or maybe some other ones, how would you use them to actually segment your audience based on some different criteria?
4: Yeah, I think that there there are so many fantastic opportunities um, using maybe some of the the information that we talked earlier. who, who is converting, um, you know, who signed up for the webinar, who, who, are, who are making purchases. So that information obviously you can use to identify your most recent buyers or people that haven't purchased recently. Um, perhaps people that are clicking and not buying, that you know, that may indicate, depending on your business, interest or curiosity. Um, so there's those opportunities. And then even beyond that, I think one of my favorite things about you know, active campaign in, in general, but Email marketing um, platforms, lots of them have these tools too, or are, are tags and custom fields, and they're so powerful and robust that there's a large amount of information that you can collect um, through the forms and surveys, through tagging people, through looking at um, you know their website behavior if you've done that integration, and you can use that information also to you know segment and identify um, you know, where people are joining your list from if you're. Tagging, or if you're using a custom field that says, you know, whenever a new subscriber comes in, there is a, a, a tag or a custom field that this is where they came from, and you're storing that information. Later on, you can segment your audience based on where they came from, and um, similarly, based on um, information that they give you within a preference center or some some other form that you use to connect with and understand what types of messages and how frequently. Someone might want to hear from you, that's another area to segment. So there are multiple, a multitude of ways to use um, information about purchasing behavior, but also just information that will be collected in your email marketing and data just on um, behavior, how people are interacting with the campaigns that you send that you can use to segment.
0: Okay, so using email as an information gathering tool and not always just a vehicle for revenue can be a great way to learn more about your contacts, to tag them, and then use that information to send more relevant messages in the future. Remember what Zapier found, that marketing automation was the biggest driver of reducing workloads and saving time. It's the biggest driver of getting more done with less. Using an automation tool to segment your contacts based on their behaviors, their actions, and their engagement seems like a pretty good place to start if you're looking to get more out of your email analytics. But how else might you use email analytics to segment your audience? You mentioned a couple of things there about landing pages, about site tracking, kind of tracking the behavior on your website, as well as how they're interacting with your emails. So I'm curious, how do you use or how can you use email analytics to segment your audience, to divide them up, um, tag them, you know, things like that?
1: I mean, like everything, like the way that I tell our clients is that your email list is more or less like a plant, right? And if you just kind of like, you know, like the plant behind you there, if you just kind of let it go and you don't kind of nurture it, you don't give it some love, attention, sometimes you have to cut some of those leaves. It's something that we run into a lot, especially with people getting uh, in, you know, just getting into the space and maybe not done a little email marketing that, you know, they get bummed out, you know, so, Oh my God, someone unsubscribed where we know as obviously email marketers that an unsubscribe is actually a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like the, a tree that, or a plant that self prunes itself. So I think it's important that you're, you know, that you look at those, um, you know, who's opening your emails, who's clicking on them. And then, uh, basically not sending to those unengaged contacts, that will help your deliverability. You know, all those things that uh, that we try and preach as email marketers to get our emails into inboxes are very much dependent on obviously sending our emails to the people who are engaged with them. So, you know, it 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 is a very big uh, part of the puzzle that I think often gets overlooked.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Are you... Or with any of your clients or, or for yourself, are you using then, um, is there anything about interest tagging, interest segmentation, um, anything from emails, you know, if you're sending an email about a particular thing and you're tagging them if they open or take an action, or do you have any experience uh, around that?
1: For sure. Yeah. We're tagging
0: people if they click on specific
1: links, especially as it pertains to sales uh, sales campaigns. We want to know who's clicking. We want to know who's landing on those pages. We just did a very successful launch with a, with a, one of our clients where we actually created um, tagging, interest tagging based off of when they were hitting the sales page. Mm. If they hit from the sales page, went to the checkout page, they went from a warm tag to a hot tag. And then send those notifications, send those uh, reports to the client so then she can then go in and start um, contacting those people and get them to purchase her program. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's a very kind of like ninja strategy that maybe not the beginner novice might not know about. But these are some of the things that really kind of separates Campaign from a lot of the other systems that are out there.
0: Okay. Combining your email data with information from things like site tracking can begin to help you understand both the areas of interest and the level of engagement. As Elan said, sometimes you have to cut the contacts out that aren't interested, and you shouldn't be afraid of those unsubscribes because an unsubscribe is actually a blessing in disguise. Look, it doesn't feel good, I understand that, but it's better to have someone unsubscribe than not open a single email that you send, or worse, start marking your emails as spam. An unsubscribe is a voluntary action that a contact takes, and that raises the overall engagement of your list. And email engagement is maybe the biggest factor in your overall email deliverability. Don't take it from me; take it from Ryan Gannon, a member of the Active Campaign deliverability team. Ryan, welcome to Growth Decoded. Thank you, Ernie. Happy to be here. Yes, awesome, awesome. So let's let's just jump right into it. Um, thinking about email analytics, which is the topic of today's episode, um, we've heard a lot about how email analytics. There are certain ways that you can measure how people are engaging with your emails, and how that then translates into deliverability. So that's kind of where I want to start. Um, This term gets thrown around a lot, email engagement. How would you define email engagement?
5: So the way I define email engagements is, are the recipients of the messages engaged with those messages? Are they reading them? Are they clicking them? Are they excited to see you send that message on a Tuesday morning in their inbox?
0: Okay, so... uh, if you're thinking about it, I mean, opens and clicks are certainly metrics that we talk about a lot. They're very common um, in the, the literature around deliverability. Um, are there other measurements for email engagement? What, what other things could we be looking at?
5: Well, outside of opens and clicks, a lot of folks are surprised to hear even simple unsubscribes. That's a form of engagement. Simple unsubscribes are actually a good thing. I'm sure we'll get into this more throughout the conversation, but ultimately, engagement rules the day in the industry. You know, Back in the 90s, it was based on specific terms that were in your messages. Now these inbox providers, all they care about are your recipients opening and reading your messages. Are they excited to see them? So your opens, your clicks, and yes, even unsubscribes will help clean your list over time and get more eyeballs on your messages.
0: Okay. So I think you kind of just answered this next question a little bit there, but um, how does email engagement impact deliverability and then promote list hygiene? Is it only through unsubscribes or there's other ways that that might happen?
5: No, so the the, uh, uh, the way I look at this and the way I've described this in the past is the actual email owners are the customers of the inbox providers. Mm. So the inbox providers want them in their inbox, they want them reading their messages, they want them clicking their messages. Uh, the more messages that are go unread will impact the deliverability of the sender. Your Mm. Gmails of the world may start populating messages in a junk or spam folder if your recipient hasn't read the last 50 messages you've sent. So this gets back into why are unsubscribes good. It gives you an idea of the cadence that you're sending messages with. Are certain contacts unsubscribing after X amount of messages are coming? It's It's a form of engagement in that you can track that and you can see how you can adjust your strategy in marketing.
0: Okay, awesome. So apart from like unsubscribes and monitoring those, what, what are some best practices for monitoring email engagement? Is there anything that you can do from like an automation perspective to kind of keep tabs on this?
5: Yes, you have engagement tagging, which I'm sure you've already talked about during the show. But the one that I'm a big fan of is contact scoring. That's okay. built in the platform, you can actually assign a number value based on certain actions that a recipient takes. So let's say opens, for example, you want to be sending more to the contacts that are opening your messages. So Mm -hmm. let's give them a score of 10. If they reach a certain score threshold that you set as a business, that can trigger an automation in and of itself. That may send more more content more often to those those email owners. They'll open your messages, obviously, because they're in the automation to begin with. And it improves your relationship with those inbox providers. They now see you as a high-quality sender with an
0: engaged base. Okay. So in in my head, I'm thinking about this, right? I I might open every third email from a certain company. I might open every email from a different company. I might not open any emails from a third company. Thinking of that in terms of three different levels of engagement for me, how many different levels of engagement do you recommend people kind of keep tabs on? Are there different like segmentation levels for that? What, What are we looking at from that perspective?
5: Yeah, so that's what's so cool about the automations, right? Is this can be built based on your business. Every business has a different uh, sales calendar. When people are buying, for example, a car dealership, it's going to be every three, four years. Homes, it's going to be every 10 years, right? Right. Keep that in mind. But the big one is your opens. That's an easy place to start. So the, the folks that are opening your messages, you want to send more often to. And the folks that are not opening your message over a period of time, it may be time to consider letting them go unsubscribing them, definitely want to start sending a lot less to those contacts or you'll risk your reputation with the inbox providers.
0: Gotcha. So at a certain point, it's it's just worth kind of you know cutting ties and, and removing them from the list because they're going to do more harm than good. What, what is the sort of the timeframe for that? What do you recommend?
3: Well, I think
5: there was a recent study that came out uh, that Google released uh, that says, you know, after six months, if they're not opening your messages, we're likely going to throw them in the junk. Mm, okay. So My now, That being said, every business is different. All the sending cadence is different. Um, But that's something that needs to be taken into consideration over the long period. These unengaged contacts that aren't engaging with your emails, it may be time to let them go.
0: All right, now we're going places. Using automation to track contact engagement can work as a self-cleaning tool for your lists. And that helps you improve your deliverability over time. And it helps you figure out who to send more to and who to send less to. I mean, it seems like a pretty good automation strategy to incorporate into your email marketing program. And this reminds me of a recent question from the Active Campaign community, which means it's time to send it over to Tim and Molly for this week's installment of Our Customer Evangelist Tim and Community Manager Molly Answer Questions from the Active Campaign Community.
3: You lose 25% of your email subscribers every year.
6: Email unsubscribes aren't the only way for you to lose subscribers. What about contacts that stay on your list but stop interacting with you?
3: These people are ignoring you and you might never know it. Hi, I'm Tim from Active Campaign.
6: And I'm Molly from Active Campaign. Today we're going to answer a question that asks How can I identify all the unengaged subscribers? The first step is to define what we actually mean by unengaged subscriber. And the way to do this is by looking at your buyer's typical buying cycle. A business that sells to their customers twice a year is different than a business that sells a monthly subscription service. It's important to understand who your unengaged subscribers are because they actually have a massive impact on your email deliverability and overall conversion rate. You can try to increase engagement with those subscribers, but there comes a point where that's probably not gonna happen.
3: Engagement isn't just limited to opens and clicks in your emails. It also includes things like visits to your website, purchases from your online store, and form submissions to your website. When you understand which contacts aren't engaged, you can work to try to engage them. And if you're unable to, you can remove them from your list. This ensures you're only reaching out to people who are interested in what you have to offer. Let's talk about two ways to automatically keep track of which contacts are most engaged. Lead scoring and tags.
6: Lead scoring lets you measure the engagement of your contacts by assigning a score based on their behaviors. So the more they interact with your brand, the higher their score will be. And the less they interact with your brand, the lower their score will be. We can do this by creating rules that add or subtract points from a contact score. So if a contact opens our email or clicks a link in our email, we'll add one point to that contact score. If a contact visits a product page on our website, we'll add five points to their score and if they make a purchase, then we'll add 10 points to their score.
3: Some of these actions are more impactful than others. For example, opening an email or clicking a link in an email doesn't signify as much intent as visiting a product page or purchasing a product. We'll set the email open and email click rules to expire after a month. This way, we don't end up thinking that contacts who open our emails once or twice but never purchase are engaged contacts.
6: Another way that we can identify unengaged subscribers is by using tags in an automation. Let's create an automation that's triggered when a contact visits our product page, makes a purchase, or submits a form. First, we'll add the tag engaged to the contact. Then we'll add a wait step that waits 21 days, after which we'll remove the engaged tag and add a not engaged tag.
3: Whenever contacts enter this automation, they'll be tagged as engaged. As time passes, if they haven't engaged further, they'll eventually be tagged as not engaged. All right, there we have it. We had a question from our community that we were going to answer. And
0: And we we did. did. Thank you, Tim and Molly. Tracking engagement is great. And it's something that you'll want to set up ASAP because unfortunately you can't go back in time to track who opened what, when, and how many times. So getting your engagement automation set up is extremely valuable to you as an email marketer and a digital marketer in general. And once you do, you'll begin to get a much more in-depth understanding of your contacts and your audience. You can then iterate and explore other actions and behaviors that qualify as engagement activities to get a, a full understanding of how your audience interacts with your business online. But how did Dr. Barlatt and Elan think about engagement? So to that point about how people are interacting with the emails and the campaigns that you're sending... Yeah they can, that can, you know, either be they're engaged or they're not engaged. Mm -hmm. So how, I guess, how do you define email engagement? Um, And and what do you look at in terms of like, who is an engaged contact versus who is an unengaged contact?
4: Yeah, well, I think that this is an interesting question. I I should also start with it depends, (laughs) as we said earlier. Um, And I think it depends on a couple of different things. It depends on obviously the, the subscriber's behavior, which we, you spoke to, but then also your intention um, as the business and your behavior. So how often you're sending a message. So some people like to, some clients that I've worked with like to say like, oh, if, if someone hasn't in, um, clicked or hasn't um, visited our website, or um, you know, if your tracking opens opened in a certain amount of time, I'm going to label them as not engaged. And that could be perfectly fine for your business. But my next follow up question is how often are you sending messages? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because if you're if there is this there's this um, interaction when when you're looking at engagement to both what people are doing, but also what you're doing. And so I fi- find that that's where the it depends really comes from. And thinking through Um, how often am I engaging or how often am I reaching out is probably a better word With, with my subscribers. What kind of campaigns am I sending? What kind of automated sequences do I have people going through? How frequently are they hearing from me? And then you can look to see, okay, based on how frequently I'm sending out what makes sense for our business. Some businesses, you know, have very long sales cycles. And if, you know, someone reaches out to you and a year may pass, they may still be a very hot lead. Um, And other businesses, you know, their sales cycle might be hours, And so it really does depend on the nature of your business, how frequently um, that sales cycle, the duration of that typical sales cycle, as well as um, that person's behavior based on what you're sending out. So I I feel bad to say it depends, but hopefully I gave some context around what it might depend on.
0: No, absolutely. And and I think that that's super important to keep in mind because a lot of the, maybe the documentation that's out there, the information that's out there, when you're looking to learn about what is email engagement, how should I measure it? If you're a business owner, there are these industry standards and there are, you know, people putting like a specific time window, or if someone doesn't open an email in this amount of time, or doesn't take an action in this amount of time, but it's such an important point that every business is different. Buying cycles are different. Email sending cadence and frequency is different. It's, it's very important to keep in mind and look at it through that lens. So I know that this is going to depend as well, um, but it, in terms of like from an email deliverability perspective, right? Sending to unengaged contacts over and over again is is not a good look in the eyes of the inbox service providers. <laughs> I like
4: I like that. Right?
0: It's they, they're not too happy about seeing that. So I guess my question is, how long do you wait, or how long should you wait before you start clearing out what you would consider to be unengaged contacts?
4: Yeah, I think that that's a really great question and. Definitely, as you put it, it's not a good look to uh, to keep reaching out um, to people that are not interested in what you're sending. But I think in general, a lot of, um, sometimes a lot of my rules of thumb when it comes to email marketing, I extend to conversation or just interacting with people. So it'd be the same thing as if you're walking down the street and, you know, someone keeps trying to catch your attention and you just kept walking, you eventually want them to kind of catch the hint of like, I don't want to talk to you. So, (laughs) um, so I think that that, Not only is it from like sort of a technical deliverability uh, side, like not a good look as you put it, but I think when we remember that all of our subscribers are people, um, it's just something you wouldn't necessarily want to do to a person in real life. So I would do it um, on the internet.
0: How do you measure email engagement? So the way that we do
2: it is open, open data is not uh, overly, we we use a whole statistical modeling approach to it, where open data is is is, is significantly, in, like it's not very valuable. Mm. Um, but desktop engagement is actually more valuable than open data. And I've had this argument with everyone from B two B companies to B two C companies, where they're like, "Well, no, mobile is like the next big thing." And it's like, unless you're on Am- unless you have the Amazon app on your phone, when was the last time you filled out a form to join a webinar? On your mobile device it's just too much clicking mobile devices are great for passive engagement passive mm. reading but to take actually action like buy a shirt on nordstrom.com go try that as soon as you get off this podcast go to a website and that you don't have the app downloaded on your phone for and find out what that experience is like it's not very much fun whereas on a desktop it's it, it is way easier then clicks on a desktop are more valuable than clicks on a mobile device. How recently did those events occur? Um, and all of these things are scored together. And then we also start pulling in website data um, if people have cookies on, their, uh, on the web browsers and you can start using that. How long were they on the site for? Um, if your open data does tell you how long somebody had an email opened, um, that can also be used to score that type of information um, and enhance the sophistication of your, uh, of your overall program. But it still does come down to a lot of utilizing open and click signals, um, and then even web signal, if you can grab it, uh, into building those types of uh, models.
0: Email engagement is sort of an interesting topic because it can mean a few different things it's sort of one of those definitions that's kind of like floating around in the sky is like a nebulous cloud how, how do you define it how do you measure it
1: so number one is uh open rates number one obviously click-through rates super important uh just to kind of see what people are doing with your email um active campaign obviously lets us lets us see these types of um Uh, Numbers, uh, as you said said before, segmentation tagging, seeing what people are doing within those emails, I think is super important because Mm -hmm. it gives us an idea because, you know, as a, as a email marketer, you want to have obviously your calls to action above the fold in your email. Sometimes you want to have multiple calls to action throughout and you want to see why what's working, what's not, you know, the, the, in the general nature of what we do, we work with a lot of coaches who are kind of like in quarterly launch format. So every quarter they're doing like a a new launch or the same launch of the same program. And, us as marketers, our job is to continually improve that process. So if we're not looking at the data, if we're not looking at the analytics and kind of fine-tuning the campaign, then we're just doing the same thing over and over again. And you know, what's that definition? If you do the same thing over and over, it's like the definition of insanity. So you always want it to be improving. We always say kaizen around here. I don't know if you're familiar with that term. It's like a Japanese auto manufacturing term called kaizen. You can look it up, but where basically. It's, you know, it's the pursuit of perfection, always optimizing, always doing little tweaks to get better and better and better.
0: Mm. It, one of the core values at Active Campaign is actually iterate everything always. So okay. uh, yeah, perfect. I like that a lot. All right. Now, this is all good stuff. Managing unsubscribes, automating segmentation, promoting better email engagement, and improving deliverability. I love it. I do, truly. I, I wouldn't lie to you. However, some of this can be a little in the weeds. What about if you're just starting out? How do you get started? What's the best way to do that? Do you have any advice or best practices for people who are either, you know, just looking to get more out of it or are just starting out and they don't want to just stop at the email and click or the open and click through rates?
1: Yeah, I mean, like, obviously, Google Analytics is a great tool for any beginner, like make sure that that's installed, like across the board, as far as your, uh, your, your web properties, your landing pages, it gives us a wealth of data, there's all kinds of tie ins with ActiveCampaign, where you can actually tie in our emails and actually send some of that data over from active campaign and google to help kind of make sense of it even if you don't know what you're looking at and doing it's still important to kind of have that tracking in place because you know one day you might actually need that data and at least you'll have some historical data to work with so that's like a that's a big one i think site tracking is a must Um, Get that installed so that you can start doing those things like we just talked about, like segmentation tagging or interest tagging based off of like where people are hitting on your website. You know, if if you have a services page and you have, um, you know, you have a rule or an automation that says if someone hits this page, you know, three times and they're super hot or give them a a score for the CRM, like these are some of the some of like some valuable pieces of information that can help you be more successful. Uh, in your business, so um, those would be kind of two places that a, a, would be a good place to start. Like outside of like the Active Campaign, uh, another thing that I like to, as I said, like the contact trends section within Active Campaign. I feel it gives like a wealth of data um, that sometimes people overlook. It could sometimes be hidden, and not a lot of people even know that it exists. So take a peek in there because there's actually some really cool
2: data to to help you along the way. So there's a couple of things. Um, I mean, obviously. Whatever email service provider you're using should uh, provide you with some deeper analytics that you can look at as far as segmentation is concerned. And then really start testing. Um, don't try to boil the ocean at first. And I'm going to try all these different things. And I think in the one of the challenges that I think marketers or actually all of us as humans is some people are always looking for the silver bullet. Um, and I, I'm here to say that there is no silver bullet that exists. Um, like when people are like, well, how often should I send email? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know how often you send email. I don't know what your audience looks like. I don't what time of day should you send your email? Like, those are all those silver bullet things. They, they, they just don't exist, right. but the data behind getting there and optimizing for different outcomes does exist. Um, and it's much like, um, You know, I'm a big baseball fan and the way Major League Baseball has changed is they look at, you know, they used to look at different stats than they look at today to help them understand how these players are going to perform so that they can spend less on players and make more money for the uh, organization and also have a chance of making it farther in the playoffs or ultimately winning a World Series. Um, So there's, but to your question of like, where should I start? Um, like, try to segment on who's engaged, who's not, like, use some basic measurements, you know, who's opened an email in the last month versus not opening an email in the last month, create two different lists, and send two emails to those lists and see how they perform. Mm. I think what you'll find is the ones that have engaged in the last month, probably have an order of magnitude higher engagement than the ones that don't. So now what I can do is I can take the ones that don't, and I can start running tests on them, who hasn't, in the last three months, the last six months, the last nine months, the last 12 months. But all of that takes work and involves you really thinking out and laying out a plan for what outcome am I trying to accomplish or what am I actually trying to learn from these tests? Right, um, And then I can take that and look at an out- outcome-based approach.
0: I if we have someone who is watching and you know yeah. we t- we talked a lot about open rates and click through rates maybe that's all they've been looking for but they're looking at their data they're looking at their campaign their performance reporting and they're saying you know I wish I could get more out of this but they don't yeah. really know where to start. Yeah. Do you have any advice or best practices in terms of what they should look at or how should they approach the problem so that they can determine what to look at?
4: That's a great I love that question. That's a fantastic question. Um Because I think my answer sometimes is surprising to people um, Mm. in that it is sort of turn off your computer or or don't even log into your account, maybe open up a Google doc or notebook or however you take notes and just start to list out all of the questions that you have about your program's performance. So what do you wanna know about your business? What do you wanna know about marketing in general? What do you wanna know about email with respect to marketing? What are all of your questions, um, and really write them all down because I find that sometimes it can be a little bit overwhelming. Like I, I'm a person that loves data, I love numbers, I love diving into my like any sort of analytics platform and sort of diving through. But that's not the case for everyone, um, and even for me who loves diving in, uh, you can get lost sometimes. So having a roadmap, um, and typically that roadmap I suggest is a list of questions: of What do you want to know? What's really important? Prioritize that list. of What do I really to know about my business things so it might be as simple as like you what what's making us money or where are we making money or who's who's giving us the most money or who are most loyal um you know customers um and and subscribers who are people that have been around for a really long time that maybe we've lost touch with or maybe um you know for whatever reason they've expressed a lot of interest but they haven't for whatever reason signed up or made a purchase um so many business owners have those types of questions and people working in organizations have those types of questions so write them all down and prioritize them and Mm -hmm. then once you do that you can then you're armed with a priority list that you either can log in to your account and dive into the analytics section or even you know sign up for some support lessons or ask send a report request and ask you know, how do i get access to all of this information and i find that that's the most powerful approach because it really helps you not necessarily get lost in the array of numbers and all the different ways that it can be presented, but it really ties your numbers into what's important to you, which is the answers to your questions. Um, So that's the first step. And then the second part is to make it a practice. So um, sometimes again, it can be intimidating and sometimes we all just get really super busy sending out the messages, making sure that things are ready um, and ready on time. You can just sort of send them and not necessarily look back at how they performed. So get into a practice of, revisiting those questions over time, or maybe even setting up a dashboard someplace where you can go and, and monitor the answers to those key questions that you have.
0: Take a look at the data that's available to you, including the trend reports. Again, more on those in just a few minutes here and, and get specific the, about the problem that you're trying to solve. You, you have to have an aim. You have to know what you're looking for, because if you don't, you'll never find it. Think about it like this. You could give a world champion dart player or a, a dartist three darts and a dartboard. But if you were to put a blindfold on them and tell them to hit the bullseye, they're not going to hit it. They don't even know where it is. Now, this happens all too often, and it's a common mistake when it comes to email analytics because there is so much information that you could use. So much data is available to you that it feels overwhelming, or it's a long detour down a rabbit hole to nowhere. You don't know what to pursue, so you turn back to what you do know, which is the open and click-through rates, and you just wish they told you more. What are some other common mistakes? What mistakes have our guests seen or committed that we might be able to learn from?
4: I think one is the one we just spoke to, which is not starting with that list, Um, Mm. and I do recommend it with no matter how data-savvy, how much you love or do not love numbers— starting out that list is definitely a great uh, place. Um, so that's definitely one, um, one thing that I see and sometimes um, I'm guilty of myself. Um, other things that I see for my clients often is they're not looking at their numbers. So they're avoiding them, they're not looking at them, they're intimidated by them. And so they're just not sort of like, nope, they don't exist, they're over there, I'm sending me emails and that's fine, everything will work out. So um, that's definitely a missed opportunity that because there is so much information out there that you can use um, that can help you make really amazing decisions, um, provide a better experience for your subscribers. But then also I've had clients that have been inspired to create whole new product lines just based on who's engaging with their emails, where people are opting in, and what content client people find the most interesting Um, and whole new revenue streams can come from just taking a peek at that data. Um, the next is focusing on metrics that are not tied to your ultimate goal. And this happens much more often than I would love for it to happen. And the risk here is that you're, you're optimizing your, your process, you're optimizing your email for something that isn't tied to the end goal. So for example, you may spend a lot of time and a lot of energy working on, you know, the perfect button or the perfect subject line and tweaking how your name shows up in the inbox. But if your ultimate goal is many steps down the line and you're interested in having people call you back or you're interested in having people sign up for a webinar or to make a purchase, if you're not focusing on metrics that show how what you're doing and where you're putting your time tied to your ultimate goal, that's a huge missed opportunity because there are ways that you can measure that and you can understand how your actions um, impact and influence your subscribers action to get them to that ultimate goal. Um, And then the third mistake that I often see are people sticking to standard reports. So I think standard reports are great. Um, I think they're helpful. They are there for a reason. They can give us an overview of how our campaigns are working. But again, tying your Back to your questions, figuring out how your specific business runs um, and setting up either uh, some custom reporting or identifying different ways that you want the information presented for your business can be really powerful. Um, And so those are the three mistakes.
0: What are some uh, of the the more common mistakes that you see when it comes to deliverability that you might be able to to point out and and have someone maybe avoid?
5: Yeah, here's the biggest one. You're holding on to contacts too long. Mm. And I get it. It's hard to cut that relationship off. It's hard to say goodbye. But if in, in the reality of it is about a third of any business's lists will churn over over a year, and that's something that the successful senders embrace. That uh, ultimately, you want to have a great relationship with your contacts, and if you're ringing their doorbell or knocking on their door every day and they're not answering, they obviously don't want you at their front door. Think of it that way. All
0: right. You, you heard it here first. Don't, don't hang on to the unengaged contacts and uh, use automation to track the engaged contacts in the first place.
5: Yes. let Let the platform do the dirty work. That's what I always say.
1: I think, look, I think there's a big emphasis in open rates and click through rates, but it's not the end all be all. OK, right. I think that is probably the biggest one is that, you know, people see oh, my open rates are not good, but maybe your conversions are and maybe you're just sending to the wrong subset of your list. So, I yes, they're important. They give you kind of like the overall picture of what the general health of your uh, list is. But in general, like, what is like, take a step back and ask yourself what that goal is because, you know, you might have like low open rates or low click through rates, but maybe the people who are kind of clicking through are taking that next action, whether it's like, you know, purchasing on your e-commerce site or opting in for that freebie or signing up for that info session webinar or purchasing that program. So whatever that, that step is like, you can't, here's a, here's a quick story. So, um we're we're up here in Toronto, Canada. You're in Chicago. So, as you know, hockey is massive, okay? So, we brought in this manager. The Toronto Maple Leafs are like second to god all right in toronto when it comes to like level of importance kind of like where football is and baseball for you guys and they brought in this manager and this man this this, this guy's young he's slick and he's all about analytics but like sometimes analytics doesn't give us the the full story especially when it comes to sports like he's built this team all around analytics but it's the intangibles it's those things that sometimes analytics can't pick up on so yes it kind of goes counterintuitive to what I was just talking about that the data will give us but sometimes there's those other factors that uh, that are not they're kind of hidden within the data that we got to kind of as a marketer and as a successful marketer you got to kind of pull out to get people to take that action does that analogy make sense I hope I didn't go go too far off the track there no 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 it
0: definitely does Keep your overall goal in mind. And don't get too lost in the data or bogged down in evaluating every open rate or click-through rate. And this is timely advice given a recent announcement from Apple regarding their new iOS 15 software update. Now in this update, Apple has let us know that there will be some privacy enhancements as they pertain to email and the data that is shared from email inbox user to email service provider. With this update just around the corner, there's been a lot of speculation around what it means and what happens from here? Now we wanted to get the opinions of our guests to see how and and what they're thinking about it. I'm mean, I'm curious to get your thoughts on on the the software update and and the implications of it as as it pertains to email analytics. There's a lot kind of going around, a lot of speculation, a lot of conjecture. But I'm just curious to know um, if you're thinking about it and what you're thinking about it.
4: For sure, for sure. I think there are potentially huge impacts um, there. And so for me, I'm, I'm on my focus area, which is email marketing performance, I think there are two things that come to mind. Uh, The first is something that I've said a couple of times in this, this interview, but it's a really great time for us to focus our measurement on our ultimate goal. So now with these changes, open rates, There's lots of things that could happen to them, but I think we could label them as unreliable um, and maybe not as a great of a metric, something that we want to rely on as as much as we have in the past. And so if your organization is someone somewhere that um, doesn't have the open as the end of the journey, it's not the ultimate goal for someone just to open your message, you want them to do something else, now's an opportunity for you to start looking at collecting that data and understanding the data further down in the customer experience um, in the journey. So that's, a, that's one opportunity that you can use to maybe expand your perspective on your email analytics as this one metric, the open rates may become less reliable. There are others, and we spoke about some others earlier today that you can start to collect and compare your subscribers and your campaigns. Um, And then the other opportunity that I'm seeing for the work that I do in email performance is first party data. So there's a lot of opportunity to collect first party data. If people are not familiar, uh, first party data is information that you collect directly from your subscribers with their consent. So it's information that you ask them, their name, perhaps, a phone number, you know, all sorts of different information, what what types of topics they're interested in, you can collect, you can ask through forms and surveys, all sorts of things. And people willingly give over this information to your organization with the hopes of getting, uh, you know, a better experience. And I think a comprehensive first data, first party data strategy can help you provide personalized content. And people talk a lot about that in the email marketing world, but there's also ways that you can begin to analyze that first party data to look at, you know, for example, the distribution of people's preferences on your lists or, you know, where are people opting in from on your list? What what webinars are they the most interested in? What are people getting most excited about and what you're sending them? And then you can use that first-party data to help you quantify and understand the subscribers process. So how mm-hmm. they move through all the fabulous content that you're sending um, and use that information also to improve your program and hopefully help more and more people achieve that ultimate goal that you've set out for your program.
1: I mean, obviously, it's uh, big news that Apple dropped uh, on us, uh, you know, a month or two ago, back at their World Conference, and kind of marketers trying to figure out. What the heck is going on obviously as email marketers it's obviously uh, important for us to kind of see what is going on and where things are going to move and i think first off i think people need to take a step back okay i think uh, there's a lot of hysteria going around like all this doom and gloom and it's not necessarily all bad so one of the first things i would do is for is as any marketer whether you're a marketer or a small business owner watching this maybe you're just a new active campaign user take a deep breath okay it's not the end of the world that's step one step two is start to really know your audience okay one of the really cool features that active campaign will show you in that contact trends I was talking about under the report section is they'll actually show your email client trends yes okay we all know iPhone is a big deal okay but Active campaign, you know, we have people from all over the world using this platform, so it might not be as impactful to people overseas as it might be for people like us here in North America, where we know that iPhone is typically the predominant um, phone of choice. But that being said, you know, there's Google, uh, Android. I mean, I'm one of the few, but I actually I use an Android. Don't judge. Um there's a lot of people that still use Android. So it's, it's it's important to understand that this does not affect people who use Android. In fact, it doesn't even affect people who are even using, like, the Gmail app or a different app on iOS 15 that uh, that they have installed on their app. So it's, like, for, like, really the people who have, like, the Mail app that are um, that are going to be in play here once this iOS 15 gets rolled out. There's a lot of moving pieces. We don't know what is going to, what, or when it's going to be like, there's been, you know, some bloggers and, and people who have got early access that, you know, Apple has made it their, you know, their mission to kind of like make privacy uh, one of the uh, forefronts in their new uh, operating systems that they're launching out to their, to their user base, which is respectful. But for us as marketers an active campaign, this obviously throws us for a bit of a, a curveball. So some of the things that we can be doing is number one is knowing, as I as I was alluding to before, what are your users using? Like maybe you have a large. Like I was started looking through all of our clients, like some of our bigger client accounts. I'm like, okay, I need to start seeing where what are their email client trends. And I was surprised to see that the majority of them are actually using Gmail as like their uh, predominant. Uh, email clients. So that was a bit of a surprise for me personally. I think it's important number one to do a list clean now, like know who your engaged contacts are, set those baselines. So set the baselines now, know what your open rates are general across your different subsets or your different segments and your different lists, so that you have something to compare to so that you when this does get rolled out in September, October, November, who the heck knows, you have something that you can actually work with and actually make sense. If you go into this blind, then you might get you know, you might get that right hook out of nowhere that you don't see coming, but it is important that you take steps now just to be prepared. And one of the biggest things I would say, as I just alluded to, set those baselines so that, you know, kind of what you're working with and how big of an
0: impact this might have moving forward. We had mentioned kind of like not getting lost in the the opens and and the click throughs um, as far as like where you actually can go if those were to get removed in in a significantly impactful way what were the what would be the analytics that you would start to look for? What would kind of be your your plan to to work around that?
1: I mean UTM tracking is a good one for like some of the more advanced users with Google Analytics, looking at your landing pages, looking at the the bottom line like how many people are actually making it to that sales page like how many people are actually going to your website? how many people are actually um, taking action because at the end of the day, an email is meant for the most part if it's not just informative, for people to take action to do something. That's how we look at – that's how we use uh, email with ActiveCampaign or any email system probably 95% of the time. Like, we want to get that click. We want to see what happens. We're trying to push and get them to take action. And typically that action is not – like. Email is just the 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 vehicle. Like usually there's that whole other ecosystem that you need to be focusing on. So don't get too caught up on the open rates and the click through rates. Look at what the 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 main objective is, and then you can you can definitely get a clear picture as far as what's going on as far from a marketing standpoint.
2: One, I'm I I'm a little bit frustrated at it mm. that Apple's taking this stance because it's big tech making that decision. However, I'm also incredibly happy about it. And the reason why I'm incredibly happy about it is for far too long, markers have relied too much on open read. And they don't really understand the back end of what an open how it works, um, where it's coming from, et cetera. So the the plus for us as a company, you know, one of the things that we do analyze is open data. Um, but as I mentioned far earlier on, we've always pushed down opens coming from mobile devices. Now I do realize that if you're using um, a Mac and you're using their, uh, Apple's native mail app, you're gonna start potentially losing signal from there. So that, that's the one bad area that I, that I see as a challenge for, for marketers. But the signal coming from mobile devices is not a very valuable signal. It's a uh, to me. It's it, you can't you can't even get signal through the noise um, from from those uh, from iOS devices uh, when it comes to uh, the mobile. Um, two people have to opt in. So when you update your phone, there's going to be people that said no. You know, I I don't really care about my privacy. You know, the, how many people from Facebook just were like no, just do what you were you know keep doing what you were doing. Right. um you know, and so, so it's, it's not all doom and gloom for, for us as a company. We're actually doing it as a huge positive because we've always felt that that open signal was, was junk. Um, and so therefore Apple's making the decision for us just to throw out the junk, um, to, I think marketers are going to have to start relying on a, a click. Re- you know, clicks are not going away with, with this, um, now a whole nother discussion of Apple allowing you to do like burner email addresses um, with, uh, with with this update. But if somebody's truly engaged or value, values a brand, I don't think people have a problem giving you the real email address. Um, but the, I think what marketers need to start really thinking about is, how do I get real engagement signals? How do I get people to click through? Am I actually creating valuable content for them? We all love to talk about, you know, we're getting valuable content for everybody. And but the, the simple fact is your content, is for some of your audience and some of it is just, it, it's not for them. So I think creating more engaging content, more ways for people to engage with your brand and get to your website so that you can get a, a truly more valuable signal. Um, none of that is going away with this announcement.
0: Well, there you have it, prepare now, and you'll be better equipped to deal with whatever comes along with this update in the future. Know who your engaged contacts are by using a combination of automation, lead scoring, site tracking, and email data. UTM parameters can be great to include in your URLs so that you can attribute website page visitors to particular sources, like your email campaigns. Including forms or surveys within your emails to learn more about your audience's preferences, their interests, and their demographics. And finally, engagement tracking. Who are your engaged contacts and who are your unengaged contacts? As we've talked about, segmenting by engagement is a phenomenal way to keep your list full of engaged contacts to improve your deliverability and your sending reputation and to understand which messages resonate with your audience the most. And that is our show. Thank you to Dr. Ada Barlett, to Elan Zussman, and to Mike Donnelly for their time and their insights into email analytics. Now again, the segments here today are parts of larger conversations that I had with all three of them. So if you'd like to see those interviews in their entirety, you can head over to the Growth Decoded homepage and sign up to be a member of the Grow team. You'll get exclusive content. You'll have an opportunity to win prizes and contribute to the future of the show by telling us what topics you'd like to see us cover and who you'd like to see us interview. Thank you to Ryan Gannon of Active Campaign's deliverability team. Thank you to Molly, Tim, and Cody for their help in today's investigation. And finally, thank you for your time and for supporting the show. Go forth and automate. Thanks for listening to Growth Decoded to Go. For the latest updates on Growth Decoded and links to the live show, you can sign up to be a part of the Grow team at activecampaign.com slash events slash growth hyphen decoded.